Hey everyone, and welcome to this very special episode of the AT&WB podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to make a quick introduction and tell you this is the Detective Pikachu spoiler spectacular. So if you haven't seen Detective Pikachu yet, don't listen to this episode. If you have, then guess what? You're going to be spoiled in the best way possible. We talk about everything, including, well, we actually don't say this, but my ideal spinoff for Detective Pikachu spinoff movie is actually not Firefighter Squirtle. I think it would be Firefighter Charmander because he's a Charmander and he has to learn to be a firefighter. I think that would be a much more interesting story, especially if he burned down a couple places by accident because of his tail and because of how silly he is. But then he becomes a firefighter and learns how to control his own fire. Anyway, enjoy this episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the ATNW podcast. I'm, I'm, with your host Alex Wilson and I'm Chris Taylor, the co-host for this episode. How how is everyone out there in the world? I guess I can't hear you, but it's fine. How are you, Alex? <laughs> I'm doing great. Great classes uh, just started back up again for me, and uh, everything's in full swing. And that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I you got my package. Yes, I did. That sounds uh, dirtier very than honored. I meant it to. Very honored to be your groomsman. I was I was worried at first because I wasn't expecting it, obviously, and I didn't see who the sender was. That's so so funny. I was worried at first it was some kind of threat. And I don't I, think I wrote an address of the sender, so the only no. way you know who it is is if you see the picture of me and you. <laughs> yeah, and and the first thing I picked up was the the uh, the Chinese takeaway carton, and I saw that before I saw anything else, and I was like, what kind of uh, <laughs> horror movie trope is this? coming from like am i gonna open it up is there gonna be a thumb like who did i who did i wrong so poorly and then i opened it up and it was a fantastic surprise oh, that's amazing. Offer to be your groomsman. okay we're in we're in the movie inception right now and i actually have to go one deeper with you in particular in that i was listening to a bill nye the science guy episode of his podcast which is um science rules with bill nye the science guy and this guy um, asked Bill, like, if I were ever to propose to my girlfriend, how should I do it? And Bill and his co-host were like, oh, take her out on a nice date and then ask her, like, either privately after the restaurant or, like, at the restaurant if you're, if you're comfortable with it being social. And he's basically like, oh, I guess I'm comfortable with it being social. I actually want to ask her uh, right now if, if she will... Uh, if she will marry me and it turned out to be like the the person who works at bill nye's podcast who like uh, that's cool <laughs> yeah but she was completely like she did not like it at all <laughs> she, <laughs> she, hated she, it. she was just like uh and like bill was like for the record actually his co-host said for the record we told him to do this privately not over a podcast <laughs> yeah it was really ridiculous but oh, I actually God. want to ask you formally uh, over a podcast, I suppose, if you would actually be uh, my best man. Oh, yes, man. The answer is absolutely yes. Awesome. Um, and uh, I'd say that in a public podcast form or not. So uh, <laughs> that's great. So, yeah, I'm way cooler than the girl who works for Bill Nye. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It's, we're going to have so much fun. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah.
It'll be my first time uh, back in California since I left, too. So it'll be a wow. great visit. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, over there on the mountain, and it's going to be great. And I'm so excited for you to just meet everyone else from my life, you know, like all, all of those other friends from other parts of my life. It'll be really cool. Nice. Great. So um, that, that brings us to um, a completely ridiculous thing. But when we first when we first moved and met in Los Angeles, we both started a hashtag on Twitter because it was like right when Twitter came out. It was 2010. Yeah. And so this was 10 years ago. And we watched the first two Pokemon movies and we hashtagged a Pokedex facts. Very simple. And I think I've seen it like I've seen the hashtag like other people have used it since then. But we were definitely the first. <laughs> yeah, I've seen people take the ball and run with it since we did it. But I, I, I absolutely remember that being kind of the wild, wild west of Twitter when nobody even knew if it was going to stick around or what the what the rules were going to morph into. Uh, but I for sure remember uh, those two movies and uh, hashtagging them extensively and doing some in-depth research. And, and I'm happy that the the first movie really ties in pretty well with this one, in my opinion, but we can get into that later. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that brings us to Detective Pikachu, which yeah. we talked about. Uh, we had a lead-up episode to this episode in particular where we talk about uh, our, where we come... where we met the Pokemon universe and like, I know for like both of us, I believe it was like really early on, like when it was born essentially in America. And uh, so it's just really amazing and incredible to see, you know, this simple Game Boy game go and become a Warner Brothers movie with, with, with Ryan Reynolds starring as Detective Pikachu. It's like crazy. Was it dis distributed by Warner Brothers or Detective Pikachu? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's Legendary and Warner. Oh, this I knew it was Legendary for whatever reason. I thought that Legendary was now owned by somebody else, but well, I guess they went from Universal to Warner. And they brought Detective Pikachu with them. Got it. Which okay, is crazy because you you it, Detective Pikachu was originally set up at Universal. Got it. And, and uh. And it made sense because you had Detective Pikachu at like Legendary Universal, and then they're making the like the computer animated Mario movie at Illumination, at like which is a Universal company. So like all of the Nintendo properties were in one area and like one mm -hmm. company. And then when Legendary moved over to Warner, because what they really did was they stole King Kong from Universal. And then brought it over to Warner Brothers, which is crazy. Wow, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, like, really the only reason why Detective Pikachu was released by Warner Brothers is because um, they wanted to do King Kong versus Godzilla at the end of the day. Uh, okay. So they didn't, they didn't buy it to bring this back into the Pokemon fold. They, they, uh, they, they bought it for godzilla and then this was just a bonus yeah there might have been someone there though that was very specifically like no we also need detective pikachu because of how much we branded it with kids wv in the, in yeah, the late true. 90s early 2000s yeah and maybe they can do some kind of box set if they ever want if they ever think people are going to buy dvds again they could or they could do some kind of or i guess they could all put it on hbo max uh yeah with, like if they had the rights to the older ones yeah, well, a lot of the 
anime now is on Disney XD, the Disney oh, Boy Station. Yeah. Which is what Star Wars Resistance was airing on as well. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm sure if that ends with Disney, because Disney doesn't need Pokemon like to be part of their brand at all. Like, they have plenty. They can... They can give it to Warner Brothers, please. That would got be nice. it. Yeah. yeah, I remember playing it on. Uh, I I got. Uh, I think I got Pokemon Red for Christmas, like when it first came out, um, and I played that nonstop, and then begged people to get me Pokemon Blue like a few months later. <laughs> uh, but but I definitely remember that playing that on the first Game Boy, like a long time before I got the Game Boy Color, because I think I was always like two or three years. Behind, behind getting like the the next system uh, just sense. like waiting yeah. for it to drop in price and stuff but i i definitely remember playing red on the original game boy i had red um, so, as well yeah so this is exciting yeah i had red and then i had yellow and then nice. i had silver and ruby but i didn't play either of them i bought them but i never played them <laughs> i had i had silver and i played silver but i didn't ever play ruby and was silver where the uh unknowns were introduced uh, or was that like Sapphire? Um, um, but anyway, uh, I, I remember I think they're playing... Gen 2, so that would be Gold and Silver. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being mystified and confused by how to capture unknowns and what they were. And I think by the time you get to the point in the game where you're first encountering them, that was when I stopped playing. Uh, but Red and Blue, I definitely played all the time. Oh, yeah. And um, for the record, I, I told you in a previous episode that there was a mega evolution of, like, Doug Trio, and it turns out, like, that's completely not true. It was, it was a com- fake image uh, on the internet. The internet lied to us. I just wanted to just set the record straight for that. But there is one for Snorlax, right? There is one for Snorlax? Yeah, I believe so. I think so. Again, not Pokemon experts. Just, like... Yeah. Fans of Nintendo that happen to get swept up in Pokemon because it's part of Nintendo. I, I feel like, as well, especially Sword. And, by the time we get to Sword and Shield, I'm I'm so far behind just because I don't have a Switch. So that's yeah, that's uh, that's where my. But but I mean, Red and Blue is where all my knowledge comes from, and everything else is kind of tangential. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, everything. Everything I I know about Pokemon is really like I try to connect to Gen One. So like yeah. Those are really the only Pokemon I know past is like, uh, is like the evolution form of like Tangrowth or uh, Rhyperior, things like that. Yeah. All the evolutions. Exactly. Uh, but so. Like Glacier. Yeah. Although I have known a lot more of the Pokemon now because of seeing Detective Pikachu. And then now Same. I recognize like Loudred and things like that. So what did you think of the movie? You finally saw it. I liked it a lot. I mean, originally when I was watching it, I had planned to take a note of every Pokemon that I noticed and could identify. Yeah. And my my knowledge of them has expanded by playing Pokemon Go, uh, so I can identify a lot of them. I don't have a lot of context for why they're there, why they're why they're important to the games, but I can identify quite a few. But I mean, I'm probably by minute 15, there were just so many appearances, especially once you get to Rhyme City, that I just had to stop yeah. taking note of them. And, and that was a good thing, in my opinion, uh, because I was worried that from the trailers that we saw, even though I liked the trailers, I was worried that they kind of showed their hand before the movie was released. Oh, and I thought, sure. oh, we, 
you know, we've already seen all the great sequences. We've seen all the great appearances. We shouldn't have known Mewtwo was in this movie, I feel like, maybe. Exactly. I I totally agree, because when you see Charizard fighting Pikachu in the trailer, I thought, well, there's the climactic scene. It's not going to get better than that. Um, And so I was pleasantly surprised that there was even more uh, development in terms of the Pokemon than I expected. And I think that they're very naturally woven into the story it wasn't just uh it wasn't just kind of shoehorned in for the sake of putting more pokemon in there yeah and it's beautiful how serious hollywood takes pokemon like like they take every like everything is taken really seriously in this you know like it's really earnest and and i just think that's incredible that they finally found that balance in hollywood and making these movies yeah, and so I mean, as we said, the first thing we see is Mewtwo, and he's escaping, and then he like yes. seems like he kills someone in a car. And uh, one of my favorite scenes is like the first scene with Tim and his friend, and we see like a, and, and there we see a ton of Pidgeys, as you're saying, like all the Pokemon that we that we know really well, and then uh, like Tim and his buddy Jack try to, um, well. It, Jack tries to get Tim to catch a Cubone because he's lonely, just like the crying Cubone. And then they talk about how Cubone actually wears the skull of a dead relative, which is like a real lore of Pokemon. I think that's just so cool. Like, like putting that in that very first scene. Yeah, that's written. That's written in the Pokedex entry for Cubone, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, even as a kid, when you're playing it, I remember reading that, and that was pretty hardcore uh, to be like a seven or eight year old and and to think of those implications. Yeah, and then we find out. We also find out that Tim is an insurance adjuster, which is like really silly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and then um, he he gets a letter that his detective father Harry Goodman died in a car accident. And he takes a train to Rhyme City. And I think it's funny because throughout the movie, you don't see his dad's face. And you're like, well, it's probably because it's a famous actor that like they can't show. Like, I think it's pretty, right? Or Yeah. I, I either assumed that or I assumed it was going to be one of those things where the villain turned out to be his dad mm. and that was going to be a reveal. So. So I expected they were they were holding it back for some reason, um, but uh, but I'll give. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm not sure. I up until the very end that I realized that it was going to be that his dad was going to be the one inhabiting Detective Pikachu. Um, yeah. So that was a pretty good turn. Yeah, I think when they reveal the villain's plan of like putting, yeah. which is a little confusing. I'm not going to lie, but it's putting, it's combining people and they're like everyone in rhyme city has a buddy pokemon essentially that like walks around with them which i think is a really cool idea um like everyone yes. yeah and and, and and they all and every pokemon seems to match really well with the person they're following like uh like snubble and the captain uh the chief of police it seems like a natural pairing to have this kind of grumpy looking pokemon to be following around this you know very serious yeah uh, the officer. snubble yeah yeah yeah, um, that's a Gen two Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. Uh, well, he meets like like you know like so it, within the story, like Tim actually goes to where his dad was, the R- Rhyme City, which we find out that Bill and I like help build. I don't know. They're called Pokemon Partners, I guess, like the Pokemon sidekick that you would have in the city, and 
as in Rhyme City, like Pokemon and humans are supposed to live side by side, and there's no Pokemon fighting either, which is interesting. Which is probably more a message about Pokemon and how, like, the, you know, a lot of people say, like, PETA says that it supports like dog fighting and things like that, which is interesting. Yeah, I hadn't I, I hadn't looked uh, enough into PETA's stance on it, on the whole thing, but that makes sense how that organization could draw those conclusions that they're really kind of reaching for things for uh, sure. But, yeah. Yeah. But it seems like you, you do see Pokemon getting away specifically from the fighting, like in Pokemon go, like fighting was added like so much later into the game. Maybe it's just because yeah. of how they release like parts of that game over the years. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. And they, and they try to avoid any kind of serious contact in the animations too. I mean, it's not, it's not quite like in the game where I feel like you, whenever one Pokemon attacks another one, you see the other one recoil from being physically hit or physically injured. Whereas in Pokemon Go, it just they're both slinging attacks at each other, but you don't get a sense that it says as violent or as devastating as maybe some of the other games. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, back to so and yeah, so Detective Pikachu in Rhyme City specifically, no one can, no Pokemon can actually do battle. Um, and Tim's at like his dad's house and he's looking around and he meets, uh, a Psyduck and a reporter from CNM, Lucy Stevens, and she makes top 10 lists and she knows there's more to the story of his father's death. And one thing's for sure that Psyduck sounds nothing like the TV show. It's like a brand yeah. new recording of the Psyduck. It's interesting because Pikachu's the same. But then, like, Psyduck just sounds like he has, like, a scratchier voice. I guess it's fine, too. It's a different Psyduck, so... Uh, I mean, when Pika... Sorry, obviously Pikachu sounds like Ryan Reynolds. When he's saying Pika Pika and other people are uh, hearing him, he sounds yes. like uh, Ash's Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, or sma Or Smash's Pikachu. The Smash, yeah. Smash Ash Pikachu. Hmm... Yes, yeah, so, yeah, I feel. I mean, I feel like in general, even with the other Pokemon, they give them a little bit more range. Even Cubone, I noticed, seems to he he's a, he he says Cubone, but he's allowed to kind of uh, have different inflections in the way he says it. Whereas in the anime or in the game, you know, it's very one note. Yeah, uh, how they deliver it, and I feel like that's definitely noticeable in Psyduck. That depending on what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, Psyduck's voice and inflection sounds completely different. Yeah, I think I think that all of the Pokemon have different voices, except for like the Pikachu when it's saying Pika Pika. I think yeah, I think that's the only one they got. I don't know if they got it from the show, or recorded new uh, like dialogue with the original voice actor actress, but yeah, and maybe Jigglypuff. I'm not sure that that might have been similar, but I, I I don't know. I feel like they have even that one singing a different kind of song or a different kind of function. No. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. He does meet a Jigglypuff in this episode who has the mm -hmm. microphone, uh, and yeah. his partner is asleep, uh, rightly so, next to him. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, when he when Tim goes to his dad's house after he meets the Psyduck, uh, the TV in the house is playing "Angels with Filthy Souls" from Home Alone. Yeah, I was going to mention that was the other note I took. Uh, that, that was a great, crazy. That's so cool. Yeah. I guess it doesn't make any sense to me because, like, they would have. I I think that was made specifically for Home Alone. Like, that's yes. not. And and then so Home Alone is a is a twentieth century Fox movie, 
which I guess is just 20th century now. And uh, Disney owns 20th century. So it's like, so they would, they would have had to borrow that or like, you know, pay for it from Disney. It's interesting. Yeah. The only thing I can think of was they probably went to Disney and they said, Hey, we can use anything we want. We would like to use this clip as an homage and we probably have X amount of dollars to pay for it. So you can either take this money and let us use this like clip that doesn't have anything to do with your current brand or we'll just go get something else. And so they probably were like, yeah, give us some money. Yeah. Just give us money. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, a, that's how it should work. Yeah. It's, yeah. it is really weird that these companies like give money to themselves. Like I always thought it was weird when Fox sold the cable rights to a new channel called FXX <laughs> that they made up themselves so like a fox owned uh channel sold was um like bought the rights to a fox owned like uh show and like well, so and, does, and, and the, does that, that money just me. move under Rupert Murdoch does it just go from one thing to another and it doesn't like affect him at all you know it's so weird I was going to say, that confuses me, too. The, the only thing I can think of is maybe, like, the main producers of the shows and the main producers of the content, like like Chris Columbus, for instance, with Home Alone, they may get some percentage of these kind of sales and licensing deals, even if it's sense, small. Yeah. And so they may have to come up with some number that's at least somewhat market competitive, because if they don't, then those producers could try to sue the studio and say, you didn't, you didn't allow... Uh, the marketplace to have like a fair bidding competition for this product and instead of you know instead of charge instead of getting like a million dollars from universal you sold it to fxx for five hundred thousand, and that means less money for me and uh so that's the only reason why i could think that maybe they have to do some kind of deal that comes close to market rate for some of these things yeah that makes sense that makes a lot of sense yeah and um there's also like uh, you. I feel like they set up that you think Team Rocket's going to be in this movie with like the the R purple. The R, yeah. I I immediately thought that. Yeah, and he like pre he like releases the the R smoke and the 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 things that get it are apoms, and then they the apoms go ape, I guess. And there's news newspaper clippings also about uh. A new burial ground under Rhyme City in that time. It's interesting. Oh, I didn't notice that. That's a cool uh, catch. Yeah, it's it's really uh, interesting for like why they chose Rhyme City. Maybe I don't know. I hope they make a sequel. We can find out more about that. <laughs> oh, like it could like maybe uh, is it the Silphco Tower from like the original game that is like a gr Pokemon graveyard? Oh, um, was it was so, yeah? So, so maybe that maybe like the Silphco Tower is somewhere either on the outskirts of rhyme city or maybe they maybe the developers of rhyme city like demolished the silco tower to make room for all this development and they didn't realize they were bulldozing over like a pokemon graveyard or something that'd be really cool uh, yeah be really really cool and i also like when he goes into his childhood room there's a pikachu bed and yeah and then it's really sad because we find out his mother died when he was young which which is also another great connection with Cubone. I mean, I, I think that's the the Cubone story too. Is that I don't know if it's the skull of Cubone's mother, 
but I but I know it's a relation of Cubone that that they that those Cubones wear. Yeah, uh, I feel like it does around. say in the Pokedex mother specifically, but then in the movie they say relative. Yeah, they try to dial it back a little bit because I, I just feel like mother just sounds so hardcore. Yeah, <laughs> which it which it did reading it as a kid, but. Um, you're right that tim's a cubone he totally is they like yeah it's beautiful Mm yeah um so yes you know so he meets detective pikachu he tries the he pulls out a stapler and shoots with it um the apons chase after him and like you know his like pants fall off and i guess it's just like jokes for kids like "Ah, it's silly his pants fell off uh yeah um and then uh, Pikachu wants coffee. And I feel like that's the main thing that ties him, you know, obviously to being Ryan Reynolds spoilers is that uh, like um, for some reason, this Pikachu just really loves coffee. And, yeah. And um, he, then Pikachu also uses this term that uh, like he can feel it in his jellies, which I think is like <laughs> really funny. Yeah, I do too. Um, yeah. I, I think that there's, there are like subtle, I mean, not so subtle hints, but there are hints like that across the movie where it's like, oh yeah, this this personality seems like if it's not some human being's personality, this Pokemon has clearly lived with his partner for a long time and picked up all these mannerisms from. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like, I mean, obviously it's very convenient plotting that like when when Harry and his... Pokemon, when his Pikachu Pokemon partner merge as like one entity that it don't like it remembers the things that it needs to remember from being Pikachu and then remembers the things it needs to remember from being Harry but not that like he's like that's that's his son right there like it just doesn't remember that it's like very convenient plotting for this but yeah, like and it's you're very, merging and it's minds very select- and stuff and, and Mewtwo had a very clear selective convenient plan of making it so that only harry's son could understand uh his father in detective pikachu's body Mm. um whereas i think when that final reveal comes at the end of the movie i'm wondering you know well oh well if this is one of the pokemon who was merged with a person wouldn't other people be able to hear that person in the pokemon but um I think you're just supposed to chalk that up to Mewtwo can control exactly how this works if he wants to. Yeah, and he he is. Because we do find out halfway through the movie, and this is my favorite part, actually, um, was that, because there's the whole Mr. Mime part, but we get down to where, like, we find out that Mewtwo is a good guy. Yeah. And that Bill Nye is the actual villain, and he's trying to capture... Mewtwo and then merge his mind into Mewtwo and then like become a Mewtwo. Yeah. Um, which is definitely a cool reveal. I I did expect, um, I mean, I expected there to be more to Bill Nye's character, but I thought the ultimate villain after we've seen part of the movie, I thought the ultimate villain was going to be Bill Nye's son. And that's obviously the direction they want you to think they're going. Um, so it's a pretty great, uh, okay pretty great arc i feel really dumb because i did not get that he was a ditto at all i did not me ne- th- no me neither yeah i just thought he was like look how badass i am i'm wearing my sunglasses inside i'm so cool it's like no because he has little dotty beady eyes well and for a second when i first saw the henchman who's a woman i thought it could be that young journalist like 
who Ooh. is either undercover or maybe that was going to be a twist that like she was working for uh, the bad guys the whole time. And maybe I thought she was going to be like Team Rocket undercover. Um, that would have been and cool. Then she, and then the, and then Tim would have to like show her why, like, oh, don't be part of Team Rocket, like help me save the day or whatever. Yeah, I um, think she was more of the balance yeah. of like, I mean, they do have a love story together, but I feel yeah. like she's more of the balance of that you know when you get when you first start a pokemon game you can pick to be a boy or girl right and i feel like those are the two main characters that you can kind of go back and forth between yeah and i think there's an homage to misty in there somewhere because i don't know if if it's misty or if it's even sabrina from the early games but one of them wears like a bow in their hair that looked similar to what she she's wearing so I definitely felt like what you're saying is true. Where I, I thought she was supposed to be like, oh, just the, the the female character option that you could pick, or the or yeah. the female that you, that you meet early on in one of the games. Yeah. Oh, they do specifically talk about how Mewtwo escaped 20 years ago from the Kanto region, and they use yeah. Harry to help capture him, like like Tim's dad. That made me really happy. Uh, yeah. I, I was worried that there was going to be zero kind of connection to any of the other. Uh, movies in the canon and i felt like that was at least a nice easy way to connect uh the histories together yeah not only a direct reference to pokemon the first movie but a direct reference to the fact that it came out 20 years ago which Mm -hmm. makes me think that that ash misty and brock would be 20 years older from where they were in pokemon the first movie if oh that is that is cool i didn't even consider that yeah so they'd be how old were they like 16 15 yeah, I think at least. Yeah, I think they're 15 or 16. So, yeah, they'd be, what, 35, 36? Yeah, they'd be like my age around now. I mean, or something like that. I don't know how old I am. I'm making up numbers. <laughs> just around for my, yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, they'd be around my age right now. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. And... Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, sorry. So I never got to my favorite part of the movie, which specific was when Mewtwo. Re- it, w- it was when Mewtwo revealed to himself to be a good guy, but also, well, like Pikachu gets severely injured and goes unconscious. Tim calls Pikachu his partner as he's going unconscious, which is really great. And they find a group of Bulbasaur, and I love Bulbasaur. And uh, Tim tells the Bulbasaurs, "Please help." And then his, the the woman, the girl, she says. They don't know what you're saying. And then he says, but they know what I'm feeling, which I think yeah. is so cool. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a great tie into even, I feel like that's a lesson that Tim learns very quickly. And it's one of his assets where even when they're interrogating Mr. Mime, you get a sense that Tim is realizing, Hey, you don't have to speak their language. You just have to kind of empathize with yeah. what they're trying to get across. And and it's a great thread that they carry over uh, throughout the movie. Uh, and and then by the time you get to Bulbasaur, it's just a really beautiful scene. Yeah, and that idea of we connect to Pokemon through our emotions. We can, you know, as human beings, we connect to other beings, other human beings through our emotions, but also to animals. We connect through, like, we communicate with animals through our emotions. We don't communicate yeah. with them through talking to them. I mean, like they understand the emotion in our voice sometimes so they're able to understand us but the like the reason and i heard this podcast once about the it was a woman who was an animal trainer for for hollywood and they asked her if she'd ever work with bears and she said no bears 
Their eyes are really beady. Their tails are really small and their ears are really small. I can't read a bear's emotions, but like I can read like uh, like a cougar's emotions or like a tiger's emotions. Because, yeah, that makes sense. Because, uh, because of how big their tails are. So like I there's some animals I feel more comfortable with just based off of how well I can communicate with them through their feelings and through my feelings. I thought that was really, really cool. I don't know, just that this part of Detective Pikachu reminded me of that. I just think that's like really beautiful. I agree. Um, it, it's a it's it's a great it's a great universal lesson, and it's also this movie just in general has a great mix of universal themes that uh, are great lessons for children and adults, and and the same with the humor. The, there's enough humor uh, in the movie that's kind of broad enough for all ages. So it's it's really a testament testament to the writing of the film. Uh, because another great hallmark is, I mean, you could have made this film an R-rated, very dark version of what it is. You could have <laughs> yeah. made it, a, you could have made it a G-rated version of what it is, and and I think that's a testament to how cool the story is. Is that you you can kind of find that balance, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, and I love how the like the final battle in the movie, w- which is you know between Pikachu and Bill, the Bill Nye Mewtwo, is the uh, it's the tenth anniversary of Rhyme City, so they have like a Pokemon parade. So they have a bunch of people dressed as Pokemon, and then those people dressed as the Pokemon are holding that Pokemon as a giant balloon, like the Macy's Day Parade during Thanksgiving, and so just like the Pikachu balloon they have for the macy's day parade they have a bunch of other ones of all the different i feel i feel like they have like a charmander one or or is it a charizard one and i like a couple others it might have been a charmander one and and i feel like it's the starters yeah uh because you see the starters very early on you know uh when he first arrives in rhyme city like there's a quick uh, homage you see them walk by quickly in frame um, but uh, you also, I, yeah, I, I and, think you see him as the balloons. Yeah. And the, um, yeah. And the, uh, oh my gosh. And the squirtles are like fire. They're helping out. They're like firefighters, right? They're like, yeah. The, oh yeah. You're right. Yeah. I think, um, that's on, on the news footage. Oh, that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. I think that's like really cool. Also, when you brought up the fact that some people were dressed as uh, Pokemon in the end, that could be a subtle homage to like, do you remember the Pokemaniacs from like red and blue? Like they were trainers that you, you could meet along the road uh, who were like actually dressed as their favorite Pokemon. Oh wow! Um, and so that could have even been a subtle homage to them. That makes sense. And then they have the Pikachu hat. I think they have an Eevee hat and a Magikarp hat in yeah. Pokemon Go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Which now, I have my extended Gen 1 Pokedex now. I just need Mime Jr. technically, but that's impossible to get right now. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm still missing Mime Jr. too. I think, that, yeah, they're going to, it's, it's going to take a while for them to introduce it to U.S. Yeah. players. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and along, but along those notes, I'm also, I was very happy that Me Too was the only legendary we really got to see. Uh, yeah. Just because I feel like this movie is as as crazy as it gets at moments it's like fairly grounded and i and and i feel like as soon as you start introducing mew and some of these pokemon that have like unstoppable powers they just become like a deus ex machina kind of mechanism in the plot yeah uh so so i thought this was it was just nice to 
to not just have Lugia and all these other insanely powered Pokemon uh, popping up. Ho-oh. Yeah, ho <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think it was good to focus in on, maybe if you make a sequel, you can do Lugia. And uh, yeah. it's different because I'm from New Jersey. So the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, it's Lugia, of course. <laughs> and, but but uh, Lugia, because it's like, I think I named mine in Pokemon Go Spit. Cause of, like a no. like a loogie, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So I think that if they make a sequel, obviously they'll co- they'll cover more gold and silver legendaries. Yeah, in, in that we and we got to see an Eevee um, uh, evolve into a Flareon in this, which was yeah. really cool. That was cool. Yeah, I think they did. They, I think they they took what is essentially Pokemon and the mythology of Pokemon and really balanced it well with this, this father son story they wanted to tell, which I thought was just like a really cool thing. And yeah, I mean, I don't know how obvious it is that detective Pikachu is Ryan Reynolds, like is Harry Tim's father, uh, which obviously you find out at the end when Tim finds out, um, but uh, I don't know, and I always I'm like I was so afraid that Ryan Reynolds uh, was gonna be like like super silly and kind of like ruin it. But he had such a good balance um, in being the dad at the end and in being the calming voice of Detective Pikachu. I don't know, he just made it work really well. He's very good at what yeah. he does, and, and that fits in the narrative too because uh, the way they did it uh since since when he's in detective pikachu's body like he doesn't have his memories as harry like he kind of has free reign to have like the zanier parts of his personality because otherwise if he remembered being tim's dad he would obviously have to be dealing with the fact that like oh i haven't been around for you your whole life like more the whole movie yeah uh whereas this way it's like oh no you kind of have license to be a little goofier as this Pokemon because you don't remember who you are or what you're supposed to be. And, uh, but, but I feel like they do it in a, uh, a fairly straightforward and natural way. It, it doesn't feel like, uh, it doesn't feel like it's forced. Yeah. I think it's uh, really good. I think it was, I think it's a really fun movie. I think they balanced out the mythology well. And I think they told this really simple story. Like, I think it's really great that at the end, um, he has like the train ticket to leave and go with his grandma, but then he turns around and asks if he can stay with his dad for a while. I think it's yeah. just so cool. And then the cut scene after the credits where Professor Oak walks into a bar and meets Ash and says he's thinking of putting together a team. I mean, it's just pretty amazing. So Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a a thirty seven year old a twenty nine. A twenty nine year old uh, Ash catch him. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah, it's Detective Pikachu. Um, I th- uh, again, the previous episode we talked about how um, I c- kind of consider Pokemon a Warner Brothers franchise since Kids WB really um, oversaturated my brain with the fact that through the interstitials that like that the Looney Tunes and like Bugs Bunny hangs out with Pikachu, you know, and Batman and all, and all of that. So, (laughs) yes, I mean, you're exactly right. Especially after 
you reminded me of those interstitials. Uh, it does feel weird to try to separate them now and, and not see them as Warner Brothers properties, or at least, or at least as co-productions of Warner Brothers. So yeah, uh, so it's really I did, great that this movie brought it all back, and this is like a Warner Brothers Studios film. It's really cool. Yeah, and it made it. I mean, the biggest thing I was worried about going into even after seeing the trailers was are they is Rhyme City going to be an, interesting enough, or am I going to wish that they'd actually just set it? in a city, uh, you know, from the Kanto region that we all know. Yeah. Uh, but I feel like the success of this film really establishes that they can go any direction they want to, uh, as long as they pay some kind of homage to, you know, that original canon. And the then, movie and should like, have yeah. ta- taken place in Coruscant. I don't care what you say. <laughs> yeah, all this Kajimi and all of these new Meta planets. I don't understand. Just do Coruscant again. That's yeah. A, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Rhyme City was a great expansion of, like, the universe. And I don't know where it takes place on the map, because obviously, like, the Galar region is like Great Britain. That's the new, uh, the new Sword and Shield games. Oh yeah, yeah. So that's that's Great Britain. It's actually like flipped, and it's the Galar region. And then um, they did New York City. They did Hawaii, and obviously they did Hawaii uh, with Sun and Moon. Yeah, yeah, Alola, yeah. which is a really cool name. Um, yeah, they did New York that was black and white, and then they've done parts of Japan. Uh, so they, I don't know where Rhyme City fits into all that though. Like you said, it might be Kanto, and they say that they say that Mewtwo escaped the, the Kanto region. So um, I don't know. I just don't. Yeah, know. It's cool. and it could be it could be on the same either on the same continent as Kanto or, or near it. It did seem like I got the sense that, especially alluding to the the possibility that there's a Pokemon graveyard underneath, that there could be ties to the Kanto region. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they could go any direction they want. Uh, so that's exciting. Yeah. Have they announced whether there are plans to develop a new one? Uh, I assume if they haven't announced that they're probably already, they have the wheels spinning. Uh, but I don't even remember what the box office was for this film. I don't know. I'm kind of interested in seeing, um, like, uh, like, cause this is detective Pikachu. So maybe like firefighter Squirtle, I think like, Oh yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, I don't think there's any news on. Um, I don't think there's any news on Detective Pikachu two, um, or, or or something in the Pokemon world. Um, but you know, it, it's it is a nice change. I mean, we I feel like they did get into a stretch where they were coming out with one every year, and it soon started to become straight to DVD type stuff. So I don't mind if they take a few years to sit on this and develop it especially oh, yeah. and if they, they come out with something like this again i believe they remade the original pokemon the first movie in like cg like oh yeah i still need to see that computer animation so domestically detective pikachu made 144 million internationally it made 287 million for a worldwide okay. gross of 431 with a production budget of 150 so if you double the Some... production budget, because that's what ads yeah. are, so it's three hundred. So they made more than how much it costs to make. It's a success. Yeah. So yeah, not a mega hit, but I think I think with Pokemon, especially as long as you're even somewhat of a success in theaters, uh, you're going to make up for it in licensing, and you're going to make up for it in merchandise. Uh, and I mean, I feel like they've had other, even maybe the first or second Pokemon movies. Like that seems about the right kind of. 
ratio to me. I, I don't think any of them were ever like billion dollar releases in the same vein as some of these Marvel movies. So, oh yeah, I don't me, think so. To me, as long to me as long as you're breaking even plus a hundred million or so, you're going to make up for it in merchandising with this kind of franchise for sure. Yeah, uh, domestically, Pokemon the first movie made eighty five million. Internationally, made seventy seven million for worldwide of 163 on a production budget of 30 so these have been making money like hand over fist i feel like this franchise yeah and i mean this this return seems fairly comparable to that first movie's return maybe maybe because the first one only cost 30 million it, it might have returned a little bit more um but i think the idea is just as long as you're making any kind of money off of it all the movies support the games and the games support the movies and as long as you kind of keep the ecosystem uh flowing um it seems like they can keep making more yeah so yeah i think that's the end of the episode do you have any final thoughts let's go through no just a lot more impressed than i thought i would be i mean even the trailers, I was trying not to get too hyped up about it because those were impressive. Um, but I thought that it delivered, and I, and I think that it, it also, they didn't try to swing too much for an older audience. They didn't try to swing too much for only kids. I thought it was a good balance. Yeah, definitely. And I remembered that the Gherkin building from London is in Rhyme City. So... Uh, perhaps Rhyme City is somewhere in the UK or the Galar region or or is, Europe even or something yeah, yeah or is London but I suppose they have London in in the new games so or you know whatever the London equivalent is there's other cities Chris in in England <laughs> <laughs> well no, again there's the, only that yeah and I guess the gherkin is in London so that's the one that's what I'm stuck on yeah uh yeah like Pikachu rides a Pidgeotto um uh Ditto turns into the Charizard at the end I'm just I'm just saying gen one Pokemon that I saw in the movie that's all oh yeah there's a there's a Lickitung that's there's right. a uh, there's a Machamp. Uh, the, well, the Ditto turns into a Machamp. There's yeah. a, uh, a Snorlax, I think, sitting in the police station or somewhere. Um, and is it in jail? I don't remember. I oh, there's a Doduo somewhere early. Yeah. Uh, the Diplos in the movie. Uh, is he like the, the DJ? DJ. Wow, yeah. we didn't even talk but, about that place. But yeah, I didn't, he, I didn't know that. He's like the DJ that pops in when the actual shirtless dj has to go deal with uh like tim and stuff uh but then when he yeah <laughs> oh that's so that's so silly i wonder yeah. if diplo is a pokemon fan i don't maybe yeah I, I, I would think maybe they put out some feelers like hey we need a dj for the scene are there any fans like do you have any clients who are djs who are into this uh or or like I'd imagine it's kind of a similar process to getting the rights to yeah. the Home Alone clip. We asked, like who's, who's willing to do this for free or cheap? We asked DJ Pikachu, and he was busy. So, because <laughs> <laughs> there is a DJ Pikachu, I'm oh, sure. Is? No, I'm sure there is. I was gonna say maybe that's. I mean, because I, I like the idea of firefighting Squirtle, but maybe they'll just have Pikachu doing different jobs, and yeah. different sequels. DJ Pikachu, uh, what what other jobs? Police officer Pikachu, garbage man Pikachu, 
And uh, yeah, that's it. Um, so for the AT and WB podcast, I've been your co-host Chris with your host Alex Wilson. Yeah, and that's all, folks. Roar! This has been a full dinosaur production. Detective Pikachu did put Michael Cohen in jail. You're aware of that, right? <laughs> Special Investigator Pikachu Moeller. <laughs> yeah. Get, yeah, I'm telling you, Detective Pikachu took down Michael Cohen, took down Michael Flynn, took down Lev Parnas, took down yeah. everybody. He's, he's a champion for America. Nice.